Yak Gadget, made in America, based outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Yak Gadget offers all kinds of storage accessories, quick mount motor mounts, anchor systems, track mounted accessories, even paddles. Go to yakgadget.com and get your kayak decked out for your next trip out on the water. The 153 Bay Company, based in Troy, Ohio, make everything from plastics to custom painted hard baits. Hook them hard and hook them off. All of our baits are made to order and all of our hard baits are hand painted to order. So go to the153anglers.com to place your order today. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. You're listening to Bass Fishing for News, the Adeline Fan Podcast, with your hosts, Ryan Milford and Sean Lambert. Welcome back to the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I am your host, Sean Lavery. Uh, still working on the new intro. That should be very soon. So uh, uh, just uh, patiently bear with me there. Uh, Brian and I are working on getting that straightened out. So uh, um, we'll get Ryan off there and um, he can live on in memory. But uh, um, tonight I am super stoked. For those of you uh, who are watching on YouTube, you can see by the ticker below. But we have an awesome special guest this evening. Um, I'd like to bring on, uh, none other than the fluke master himself, Mr. Gene Jensen. Welcome to the new show, sir. What is going on? How are you, Sean? I am doing very well. I'm super happy to have you on. Uh, you were a guest that was on the top of my bucket list for a long time. So it's <laughs> awesome to have Lee. I finally get you on the show and, um, um, excited to pick your brain. I, I figured, um, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, my my partner in crime, uh, Ryan, recently decided to leave the show. And so I'm flying solo for a while until I you know, pick up a new co-host. And I figured I'd go back to the basics. And I couldn't think of anything more basic to start with than the Texas rig. So um, we're going to dig into that a little bit tonight, I think. And uh, But first, I wanted to give you a chance to, uh, for those of uh, our listeners who might not know you, uh, I doubt there's too many, um, but uh, just in case there are a few. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself um, and let us know how you got into this game. My goodness. Well, my name's Gene Jensen. Um, a lot of people know me as Fluke Master. That's my brand. Uh, kind of started, that started 15, 17 years ago, something like that, forever ago. Um, I think I got started that name on forums back in 2002 or 2003. And so I've been involved with social media and social media marketing since 2002. And uh, and kind of grew up with it and learning different things, but that's that's too far ago to worry about. Uh, right now, I'm a uh, I I have a um, a fairly popular YouTube channel, and it's all about teaching people how to fish. Uh, my calling in life, what I live for, what I breathe, what I think about all the time is teaching techniques, teaching. You know, you say we're going to talk about the basics of Texas rig. We're going to talk about advanced stuff too tonight because I've got. I've been I've been doing a lot. But anyway, so I, I just love teaching. Uh, my God given talent is teaching. My mom to, always told me that. Um, and so it's just something I just have always wanted to do. And, and I found my place and, and I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. So it's a lot of fun. Awesome, man. I can I can definitely attribute to that. Uh, I have learned so much from your channel. Uh, it's, it's kind of where I got started. 
and what kind of got me into this and what kind of gave me the the kick in the butt to kind of check in with Ryan and ask, Hey, can I be on your show? And uh, you know, one thing led to another. Now here I am doing the same thing. And um, that's another passion that we share is I, I love, you know, getting people into the sport, getting them hooked, just like I got hooked. And, and so, yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, and uh, I guess um, I'm trying to think, I, I'd love to pick your brain about, you know, you know, the YouTube aspect of stuff and, and that stuff too. But um Again, I'd like to focus on the, you know, the Texas rig tonight and, you know, maybe we can have you back on sometime. And because I know I've, I've talked to quite a, diff- a few different people and their stories of how they got started with YouTube kind of run the gamut. And I, I think I've heard you talk about that on different shows and, and things before, too. Well, so I, mean, I can give you I can give the abridged, abridged version of why how I started. Yeah. I was a scoutmaster for 25 years. I had a bunch of I took a bunch of my scouts on a camp out uh, and a fishing trip during spring break and they fell in love with bass fishing. My problem was I couldn't take them fishing on the weekends because I worked weekends at the local hospital. I was an x-ray tech for 20 years. And so I told him, I said, Hey, there's, uh, let me, let me figure out how to make some videos. And there's this new website called YouTube that you can (laughs) post videos for free because everybody else at that point in time wanted to charge you a lot of money to host videos. And I said, I'll just start putting them on there. And I just started doing it and they just, it it just kept growing from there. And I, I have, there's like 50 different little things that happened in my life that all lined up, basically the stars that lined up to get me to where I'm at right now. But that was one of the big ones. It's just, I wanted to teach these kids who didn't have a, you know, maybe had a single mom or didn't have a dad or a grandfather in a picture or whatever. I wanted to teach them how to fish and because that's what they wanted to do. And, uh, and so that's kind of how it all, all got rolling at least. Awesome. Awesome. I, I have a similar experience. I, uh, I do camp counseling every summer and, um, I started bringing fishing rods up with me, uh, to camp and, uh, thinking, ah, maybe if one or two kids see me fishing, they might want to join along. And every year, uh, you know, from the very start, I was surprised every time, every rod I brought up was almost always in use every day. So when kids see you do it and when kids see you catch a fish and then they catch a fish, holy cow, it, it draws them in like flies, man. They, uh, it, it's the enthusiasm is, you know, contagious. So it's yep. cool to see that happen. But, um, when I was searching around for, uh, Texas rig, uh, videos online, your channel has, I think six when I, when I searched, uh, oh, wow. just based on Texas rig alone. So I was like, that's the guy I need to talk to. Yeah. Um, I mean, but I, I credit you with teaching me how to cast a bait caster and all sorts of other stuff. So <laughs> uh, it's definitely uh, for those of the my viewers and listeners who uh, haven't checked you out. Definitely. And there is so much uh, content and information out that you have out there. Pretty much anything you want to throw and learn how to throw. You can go check out on Flipmaster's uh, YouTube site and and you're going to learn how to do it. But uh, seven, 770 videos. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I, what Do you have any idea of what how much time that is or like how much if you I don't sit wanna, down and watch it from end to end? I, I will. This I, I had to send some pick some numbers to a, a sponsor this week. And uh, in the last 30 days, if you take the hours, people have watched my videos. It equals nearly 10 years. Oh my goodness. In the last that's, 30 days. <laughs> in the last 30 days. That's yep. incredible. <laughs> that blows my mind. Yeah. Can you, I mean, I can't imagine when you started this that you would ever think it would get to be that big. Yeah, me either. I mean, I, when I started it, I didn't even know you could make money on YouTube. 
And yeah. for four years, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't even, it wasn't even in my, in, you know, in the, in the, the picture. And then I got a hundred dollar check from YouTube. It took four years to get a hundred dollar check from YouTube. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can make money. <laughs> and then I, I'm sure the, the next big shocker was, holy cow, I can quit my job and do this yeah. for a living. Yeah. About, about three years later, I just looking at numbers, I literally picked the month I was going to quit my job four years later and told my wife and she, and she didn't believe me at the time, but, uh, but I told her, I said, I, and, and it really was, I was like, I really think that I'm onto something because I was, if not the first, one of the first two YouTubers to do what I was doing. And I was like, it's going to happen. I just, in, and looking at the numbers, I will equal the amount of money I'm making on at the hospital in four years in March. And I quit my job in April. And wow. went full time YouTube. So well, that, that's cool. I yep. love hearing that. I, I I've heard that story before, and I love it every time because it, <laughs> it definitely gives me something to shoot for. <laughs> yep. Yep. But anyway, so Texas rig. Would you say that's pretty much where you would start? Uh, uh, you know, a novice fisherman, or or is there yes. another bait you would think would be easier? I no, I I think the Texas rig because and and the biggest when I'm thinking about it from a from a teaching standpoint, I'm thinking that that is something that you can build on with other techniques and other lures. Once you learn how to fish a Texas rig, you don't have to master it, but once you learn how to fish it, you can fish a jig, you can fish a Carolina rig, you can fish a ton of different baits, even a cinco and stuff like that because you know what a bite feels like then and it's. And it's a lot less problematic to start with a Texas rig than it is with a lot of other rigs and techniques. And so I always recommend the Texas rig. Not only that, I I fished my my heart out this last month for this Save JT tournament. Which you got fourth in. With I got fourth in. I caught, and I figured it up, I caught over 75 fish, probably 85, but over 75 fish, over four and a half pounds. Oh, my goodness. And all of them on a Texas rig, all but one. One was on a chatterbait, but all of them on a Texas rig. That's so crazy. I'm still just, that's all I throw. And, and when I say that, but this in the summertime, that's pretty much all I throw. Okay. And, and one way or the other, just because that's just the, the mood the bass are in when the water temperature is in the 90s. Right, right. So, Look, um, in PA, it doesn't quite get up that hot, but uh, I think <laughs> it's still just a great technique uh, yep. to know. Um, for all the different places that I fish and, you know, it, it's definitely where I kind of got my start and kind of branched out from there. So I figured it would be great to go back to the basics for the, for the real true noobs that are just checking out, you know, this uh, channel for the first time and uh, the show. And, um, but also I figured there's enough hints and uh, kind of other, you know, in-depth stuff that we're going to get to that, you know, maybe a, a more seasoned angler wouldn't have thought of as well. So, but so for basics, let's just get started with what is a Texas rig? How would you describe it? Um, let me throw one together real quick and I will show you. <laughs> All right. So a Texas rig requires a sinker. So it's like a bullet sinker. Hold on. Let me change my, my camera. Okay. A bullet sinker. All right. And we'll talk about lead and tungsten before we get done with this, but that's a tungsten bullet sinker, some type of a hook. Let me find, and I'm going to talk about two or three different types, types of hooks, but we'll go with one of the most popular ones, just an EWG. So let me uh, get my hands and fingers right. So an EWG 
or something that has what's called an offset. And that's what this is, is an offset. And so extra wide gap is what EWG stands for. And of course your line. So it goes from, so the first thing you do when you rig it, let me get, I'm gonna move my microphone because I'm gonna knock it on the floor if I'm not <laughs> careful. All right, so get the focus in there. There we go. All right, so to rig it. I'm gonna make you bigger. There or we go. I gotta get my focus right. You're good. I'm just gonna make sure. It doesn't like to focus on fishing line. It'll focus on everything else, but fishing line. All right. Excuse all my scars on my hand. Uh, okay. So first thing you do is you put your. Let me see if I can whoop, add you and remove. That'll work. It's pretty simple. Take your bullet weight. Slide your bullet weight online. And yes, this is very basic for a lot of you guys who already know this, but bear with me. Okay. And I'm a retard and I cannot. Oops. I said that word. I, I'm, I'm dumb. Okay, bullet weight, and then tie your hook is all you do, okay? That's plain and simple. Took all that all, all that time to get all that situated, but we're going to be looking at a lot of close-ups right now. And I tie two different knots. I either tie a Palomar knot when I'm using braided line, or I tie an improved clinch knot, and I just make sure that I wet the line real good, and my old eyes aren't as good as they used to be. Here we go. Wet the line real good. And the way you, you don't want to burn your knot, so you're not going to pull like this and tighten it down. I'm going to pull just a little bit, and I'm going to push down with my thumbnail. And it gives you a nice, good knot. And my dentist, I'm going to tell him I'm sorry because I'm biting my line. <laughs> and uh, and literally, that's all it is. And so the biggest thing when you're tying fluorocarbon to a hook is that you can burn your knot and really weaken your line. And that's one of the ways you don't do it is you just make sure you push everything down real careful. But that's basically what it looks like. Well, there's something I learned already is I usually pull it. I never usually use my fingers, but that is something I will have to start doing. Yeah, use your finger because literally you if, if you get it and pull it real hard and it gets it gets hot pretty fast and it'll burn that line and really weaken your knot. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are... $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So, all right. So that's that. That's a, that's your basic Texas rig. And then, of course, your soft plastics. Uh, let's just start, grab a regular worm. I already bit the hook off, but I wanted to show you guys. When you hear the let me explain this real quick. A lot of people really talk about a Texas rig being this is how you put this hook in the worm as you Texas rig the worm. That drives me absolutely <laughs> nuts because <clears throat> it used to be not like that. It used to be where um, when you put a hook in a worm like this without a weight, it was called weightless. 
Okay. And the way you hooked it was this way without a hook and it was weightless, but this is how you hook a worm. And I got a couple of really good videos about this, but you take mm -hmm. that EWG, slide it straight through there about almost to where it starts to bend. This is a Gamagatsu G finesse uh, EWG. And I use I'll, the, there's a, there's a reason I use those in kayaks just because they're a lot thinner, but still strong. But anyway, you pull it through. And then as you're pulling your R bend or your bend through, you want to rotate it. You see how I flipped it just like that? Yep. Okay. And then for the new guys, if you haven't done this a lot, and I still do this a lot with new plastics, is you look and you, you lay your hook along the side and you say, okay, that hook is going to go in right there. So I put my finger right there and I drop that hook down. And with an EWG, you go straight across and out the other side, just like that. Okay. And then what I do to keep it from getting hung in grass and hung on, you know, uh, whatever else is under the water, you skin hook it, which you pull that, you pull your, your bait forward and you just kind of stick the tip of that hook in that skin, just like that. And that is your, that's basically how you rig it. And that's it. So Texas rig all in one nutshell. Nice. And there, I think pretty much any, offset hook you can use right um so yep. like i have a offset worm hook here um if you can see that um that also will work um yep. and pretty much there's any hook that has an offset you can you can texas rig and that's um, your basic and i'm gonna go a little advanced because i use this one a lot okay okay get, yep okay this is a straight shank okay this is a and i i use them with the keepers and I really think that this this is the, the reason I use the G Finesse uh, EWGs is because I've been using these longer and I love the the steel that these things are made out of and the coating and everything else. But anyway, so it's got a, ton, a, a tin keeper right here. And the difference between that one and this one is you always want to have your worm straight and you can screw up your worm with this thing if you don't do it right. So I'm going to do it real quick and get focused back on my hands. There we go. Now, here we go. Instead of going straight down, you go at an angle. See how I did that? Instead of going straight down, I went at an angle and it looks, you can see it better when I do this. Okay. And I go at an angle and then I pull that keeper through without rotating. And as soon as it pops through, rotate it. And it focused on there. So as soon as it pops through, rotate it around. I had steak tonight and I didn't clean my hands. Um, <laughs> and then same thing, you lay it along the side and look at the difference in the angle that that hook is going to go through that worm. Come on, focus back now. See the difference in the angle? It's going to go up through the worm instead of straight across. So I'm going to go to that spot. I'm going to put it in and I'm just going to tug. And that's it. I don't, I don't, I want that tip to be right on the inside of that worm right there. I don't want it to come out that side. And that's how you do it. I use this one probably 90% of the time over the EWG now, just because I get better hookups. So and what, what kind of hook was that? That was the, this is the uh, G Finesse. shank. Yeah, it's the it's the straight shank. It's a straight shape worm hook is what it's called. But this specific one is a Gamagatsu G finesse uh, finesse flipping hook is what I think they call it. Okay. So and I love it on a kayak because you get better hook sets. You don't lose or you, because it's a thinner wire hook, you can get better hook sets from a kayak because you lose so much power when you're hooking from a kayak anyway. So it almost looks too like you're getting a little more meat of the worm on the hook. On yes. The, so it wouldn't come off as easily, you know. Yep. Uh, and I love those little keepers. They're, they're great. But that's, you know, that's further along. Get a regular worm hook 
if you're beginning at this and go from there. Awesome. Awesome. Now, um, I know you uh, mentioned we'd, we could talk a little bit about tungsten versus uh, lead weights. Um, and I also wanted to ask you about pegging because uh, I figured that was a, another important yep. topic to cover. Yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. So tungsten versus lead. If you can't afford tungsten, get lead. You're going to catch fish. It doesn't really matter. But in my experiment, especially this month, I did a lot of ex experimenting between tungsten and lead because I was on a really good bite for a really good fish. And I was getting more bites with tungsten. And I, and I got a couple of buddies that I fished with. And so we were bouncing this back and forth and it has to be the sound on the, on the hard bottom or on the rocks, you know, as I'm dragging it through shell beds or something, there's a different sound between that tungsten and lead. The tungsten is more of a sharp sound and lead is a more of a dull sound. And I think that's it. Um, other than that, I don't know, but I was getting a, a noticeably more bites using a tungsten bullet weight over a lead one. So, so if you're fishing around hard cover, I would think that would make more difference than maybe a, yes. a soft bottom or a sandy bottom. Yeah. Or punching grass or that kind of stuff. You know, you still want tungsten with punching grass just cause it's smaller. You get a, a heavier weight that's smaller that can fit through the grass and that kind of stuff. But yeah, I, when that sound, when there's no reason to have the sound, there's not going to be an advantage. Okay, cool. So now we know what a Texas rig is. So now the next question is, when do you decide that's what you want to throw? Woo! <laughs> <laughs> it is such a confidence rig for me. Um, I do a lot of, you know, I love jig fishing. I love to catch them on a jig and stuff like that. But most of the time, my first, if, if I'm trying, okay, let's back up. When I'm trying to figure out fish, once I've found them or once I have an area that has a, has a, a, a has a, you know, fish in the area, then I want to figure out what kind of a mood they're in. Okay. Are they in the mood to chase something? So am I going to be throwing a crankbait, a spinnerbait, something that's moving in the water, that kind of stuff. If they're not, then, uh, then they're going to be in the mood to either hit something on the bottom or hit something that's falling in front of them, like when they're in the grass and that kind of stuff. And so when they're not in a chasing mood, my first thing I'm going to grab is a Texas rig. Because a Texas rig, you can rig, you know, worms. You can rig creature baits. I mean, every soft plastic can go on a Texas rig. You know, flukes and the whole nine yards. So um, I grab a Texas rig and I start flipping it around whatever cover I can see. And if I'm fishing offshore, I'm throwing it out and dragging it off of offshore cover and structure and that kind of stuff is kind of what I'm doing. So um, th that's basically it. And if, and if I am fishing and, and I'm getting, uh, you know, a lot of small bites, if I'm fishing a Texas rig and I'm getting a lot of small bites or I'm just, I feel like there's big fish in the area, but I'm not getting uh, very, the big bites. That's when I'll get away from the Texas rig and grab a jig. Or if I'm not getting very many bites at all, I'm going to switch to like a Cinco or a Finesse or that kind of stuff. But yeah, your Texas rig is something for me, it's just all around, you know, when they're not chasing, I'm going to throw that first and play around with creature baits and worms and that kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, how about uh, spinning versus casting? Do you have a preference on what you throw it on? Or I'm always throwing it, I always throw it on a bait caster. On a bait caster, okay. uh, and and even when I'm throwing a 16th ounce or an eighth ounce light light weight, I'm usually throwing a larger like a a, a paddle tail worm or a or a 
kicktail worm, like it's cutter worm or something like that. And it's still heavy enough for me to throw on a bait caster. Okay. Um, and I'm usually throwing it on stuff. I'm making the, for me, the difference between a spinning rod and a bait casting rod is the number of casts that I can make. And with a bait caster, I can make two and a half times more casts in the same amount of time I can with a spinning reel. It's just simply because there's the less things you've got to do in between casts. So, right. Right. And how about a uh, line? Do you, are you a braid deleter? Are you straight fluorocarbon? Most of the time I'm straight fluorocarbon unless I'm in Florida <laughs> and, and, or up, up North when you get those places that have that really thick, thick grass, but you don't have any, you don't have real clear water. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go braid just because okay. that braid cuts through the grass so much better than anything else. Right. So. Yeah. Now I, I, I fish on the Susquehanna. I li luckily lived about 15 minutes away from the Susquehanna. So, and, Right now, there's definitely spots that are really, really grassy, and so I definitely know that braid will cut through that grass pretty well. So um, I, I hear you on that. All right. Um, so that kind of covers what you throw it on. Um, now I, I was going to ask you how. Like, so I know you already talked about casting out, mm -hmm. limit sink, kind of dragging it back. Is that basically your most go-to? Or I know there's a, a bunch of different ways you can fish it, like you said, punching and all that right. stuff. Right. Yep. If they're super aggressive, like if it's, you know, spring to post spawn and it hasn't gotten super hot. And I, and I, I my main experience is down here in the Southeast. It, the water temperature was 93 degrees yesterday. Um, it, it, you put your feet in it and, it and it's like being in a bathtub. It's, <laughs> it's just nasty. The fish are not happy. Um, uh, and, and literally what I tell people in the summertime is get your pick, get your fish get your picture and get him back in the water as fast as you possibly can, or you will kill him because he's got to get below that heat and find some oxygen. And you can't just put him on a tether off to the side of your boat. You'll still kill him because he's not getting any oxygen. But anyway, so um, in the summertime when they get really, or, or in the, in the spring and when they're real active and that kind of stuff, I'm doing a lot of hopping. I'm doing a, you know, hop, hop, and then let it fall. And maybe just a couple of inches off the bottom if I can, but just, literally just working it and hopping it and trying to figure it out or i'm flipping the cover that i see bushes or whatever else super shallow because the bass are typically real real shallow and that's what i'm doing i'm just working it and this is the 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 uh, the value of a texas rig is that you could do so many different things with it you know i'll put a creature bait on it like this is the new uh the new lunch bug from 13 fishing and it's got really good kicking tails and I'll throw that thing out and I'll swim it back like a spinnerbait just to make sure that I'm still, they still uh, don't want to chase, but if they're going to hit it, then I'm going to set the hook on it and catch them. But anyway, so um, it's just really versatile, especially when they're up shallow. Now this time of the year when it's funky hot and the bass don't like things and, and they're not in a, in a good mood and they, but they still have to eat to keep their energy and stuff like that they're going to eat things that get close to them. They're going to eat things that look super easy that aren't going to expend a lot of oxygen and a lot of energy. So you want to give them something that's easy to bite. Well, there isn't much, many things better than a worm. But how many times have we seen a worm, a real worm, swim through the water at Mach 5? <laughs> Not very often. Not very often. How fast <laughs> is that worm moving? So one of the things is, and this is the worm I've been catching all my fish on. This is a Magnum Zoom 
uh, or a Zoom uh, Magnum Old Monster. So it's a 12 inch long worm. Wow, look at that. Okay, and it's it's a lot of plastic. I mean, this summer gun is huge. I'm fishing it on a six aught hook, which is huge, big anyway. It's a big. I don't fish anything as you know. That's the only. This is the only worm I fish on a six aught hook. Everything else is four aught or smaller. But anyway, so you drag it super slow. And the way I teach it is I'm like, guys, if you're dragging it and you think you're dragging it too slow, you aren't slow enough because your brain is telling you to speed up and you probably already have. Um, one of my buddies coined it genius. It's not dragging slow. You're what you're doing is counting rocks. And that's how slow I drag in the summertime. I'm literally, and I'm giving, this is the secret that I, I've made a video about it, but I haven't given it a hundred percent, but literally <laughs> it's, I, I look at the clock. I say, I got an hour left to fish. I've got 20 more casts. Wow. That's how slow I'm dragging it. Five minutes, just tip, you know, just I got 20 casts an hour and I'm literally just crawling it along the surface. And that's when I get the big bites. And it's usually my favorite bite is when you feel that whole worm get sucked in that fish's mouth. And it's like, a -tunk, and you hear that, you feel that double tap and you're like, oh my gosh, here he is. And I, and I just set the hook on him. <laughs> Those are my favorite ones. But nine times out of 10, even with this big old giant worm, it's just tap. And then they just start swimming, swimming off with it. Yep. And uh, but the biggest thing is, is a lot of times we're not fishing slow enough. Or in the springtime, we're not fishing fast enough. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes makes a lot of sense. Um, and <clears throat> I, I was going to talk about the, how versatile it is, because like you're right, if you if you throw something with a lot of movement on it, you can use it for locating fish and, and you know, kind of covering water if you need to. If you like, yep. say you don't have uh, another bait that you can use to do that, but it also, like you said, works super well when you're just, you know, moving it ever so slightly. And uh, I, I think that's one of the hardest things I had to learn was to really slow down and then slow down some more, especially when you catch a fish on it. Cause then you're all jacked up and, you know, <laughs> to have to turn around and do it slow again, you know, it, it that was, that was my biggest challenge. So I yep. had to co constantly tell myself, you know, whoa, whoa, slow down, you know, slow down. I got, and, I got a text message from my game warden about two weeks ago. And uh, he had text message just read, you look way too comfortable out there on that kayak. He was sitting <laughs> on the bank in his truck with his binoculars. He's like, you look way too comfortable out on that kayak. He says, you sure you're not about to go to sleep? <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, how I was fishing it because I think he just thought I wasn't fishing because I was dragging so slow. Right, right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 
at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. So, uh, and, and I think another way that helps me too is that really does help you come through grass and stuff without getting, you know, hung up because you're going so slow. You're kind of just pulling it through, yeah. you know, and, and you're yeah. not, it's not, it doesn't really have a chance to grab the so, grass. It's just kind of either bending it out of the way or. Yep. And that, that brings up another topic altogether. You just said weights, you know, the, the fishing it in the grass is how heavy of a weight do you choose? when you're Texas rigging and I'm going to give you my rule of thumb. Okay. If I'm fishing grass and want to get into it and under it, because a lot of that, so that vegetation has a lot more space underneath it than we think. So we want to punch through it and stuff like that. I'm going to fish with a heavier weight, a half ounce, three, eight, three quarters ounce. The heaviest one that I'll do when I'm punching matted grass and don't worry about this. If you're a newbie, don't worry about punching grass because it's a whole different world. But I'm I'm gonna throw a one and a half, one and three quarter to maybe a no one three quarter one and a half inch ounce weight is what I'm gonna throw. But that's a beast. But literally, when I if I'm just regular fishing and I've got stuff I want to get into grass and I want to get down underneath it, half ounce, three eighths ounce, uh, or not three eighths, half ounce, uh, three quarter ounce. Now. If I'm fishing grass and I don't want the worm to get down in there, which is one of my favorite techniques for submerged grass, I'm going to pick a, 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 a what I call a swimming worm. Some type of a worm that has a little small paddle tail, a cutter worm, a zoom speed worm, that kind of stuff. I'm going to put a 16th or an 8th ounce weight in it. Let me show you how small that is. Now, the one I pulled out earlier, pulled out of my Plano box. I got those little Plano edge boxes that are like, Ter terminal tackle boxes but anyway so this is a quarter ounce weight whoop almost dropped it i got a glass uh a desk too but anyway Ooh, that wouldn't be good <laughs> <laughs> so that's a quarter ounce weight okay that's eighth ounce and i'm gonna throw that little tiny eighth ounce weight on there i'm gonna peg it because i'd and we'll talk about pegs here in just a second but i'm gonna put a <laughs> peg on there to make it to where that weight doesn't get wrapped around or get separated from the hook and get wrapped around things. And I'm just going to drag it real slow over top of that grass. I don't want enough weight to punch down into the grass, but I'm going to grab, grab, drag it real sw slow. And so that's kind of the, the both, you know, both spectrums. What weight do I use the most? Three eighths. Probably 90% of the time until I realize that I'm fishing something too heavy or something too, too light. Okay. So like uh, last week, I, I noticed I should have been getting more bites than I was getting. And I was throwing a half ounce weight. No, I was throwing three eighths. Uh, and, I, and I was like, man, I really think I know the fish are there. I should be getting more bites. Let me try lightening up in it a little bit. And I dropped that quarter ounce on there. I threw out there. It was just a slower fall. And it was, you know, it just it forced me to fish even slower and keep it down on the bottom. But it was the biggest thing was, was a slower fall. And it got more bites. And so that was, you know, it's just one of those things you just keep trying different things. But the lightest weight you can get away with is typically the best thing because you get you don't kill the action in your bait. And it gives the bass a chance to get, grab a hold of your your bait when it's falling. So. Right. And but, uh, I, I think that's where your your tungsten to lead also makes a big difference, too, because in your in your 16th and 8th, it's it's, you know, so size is a little bit different but when you get into those 
big heavy punching weights, the size difference is massive. You know? Yeah, and, and you get in those big heavy weights, you run the chance, the risk of blowing that fish's mouth open and the hook never penetrating, right? No matter what you do. And so um, that's I, that's an ounce and a quarter is usually the max. I do have a two ounce, but I usually pull that out only when I want to try something and not expect to get to to get that fish <laughs> in the boat. You know, and and then even the pros will tell you expect to lose fifty to seventy five percent of the fish that you get you hook on a on a two ounce weight, and that is too much for me. I'm yeah. not gonna do it. So, yeah. but pegs, you want to talk about pegs? Yeah, I brought some pegs with me, but yeah, go ahead. Okay, so pegs in my tackle box like to get all tangled up. <laughs> it is what it is. So a lot of people know these as bobber stops. Okay, but bobber stops are a little bit smaller and they don't they aren't as stiff of, of rubber. And so bobber stops, literally, you've got to put four or five of them on there to equal one of these. Your typical, you know, the multicolored bobber stops that you buy at, at, at the tackle stop. Yep. Okay, these just happen to be six cents uh, uh, punch stops. And I, it's I was going to say, I think that's what mine are too. Six yep, cents. That's so. that's the only one that I use is six cents. And and there's a lot of a lot of people that make the exact same one or sell the exact same one, but these one are easy to find. They come in packet packages of twenty five instead of just two or three, and I buy them in bulk and uh, and they they work. They work great and they last for days and days and days. That's why I use them. But a uh, the when you want to use a punch stop is when you don't want when you're fishing like grass or you're fishing thicker cover uh flipping into bushes and stuff and a lot of times on the fall that weight if you don't have it pegged that weight will, weight will separate from your bait and then you've got a weight over top of this side of the cover and uh, the your bait over here and then you start pulling and it it causes things to get tangled up and stuff like that. So I try not to, when I'm in, doing any kind of stuff like that, I'm going to, I'm going to peg it. If I'm dragging on the bottom, I'm going to take that peg off and get as much action out of that worm as I possibly can. And it also makes a bet, gives you a better hook set because that weight will get away from your hook before you set that hook or, a, you know, while you're setting the hook. Right. But anyway, so what you do, let me get my fancy dancy focus camera on. Okay. You pull one of those things away. And you got this little bitty loop. See, every time it sees my eyeballs, my camera wants to focus on my eyes. <laughs> so that's the hard part. Let me get my head out of it. <laughs> All right. So here we go. You got that little bitty loop in there. And you take, there we go. All this money on a the camera. There we go. And you run your line through that loop. Just a little bit of it. And you double your line over. See how I got my line doubled over? Then reach forward, and I drop my line because I'm doing it different than doing it slower than I normally do it. So run it through the, run it through the loop. Reach down and grab hold of the stop, the bobber stop, and pull it off of the the wire and onto your line. Okay, just like that. All right, and then you just slide it up your line, tie your Texas rig, and then pull this bobber stop back down onto your hook, and it uh, it just keeps your 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 weight close to your close to your bait. Um, another tip is to is to pull it away from your hook about an eighth of an inch, not very far, 
and it gives you a little bit of freedom and it gives you a little bit better hook set if you if they're if they're grabbing it too hard um and so that's one of the things i always try to make sure that i don't cram it down onto the beta just try to keep it a little loose interesting that's definitely that's a good tip because i i usually did put it pretty tight so yeah it's it, it there's no difference between eighth ounce when you're you know eighth inch or whatever when you're working it through cover the biggest difference is if those fish grab it tight you, it for some reason not being able to get that weight out of the mouth you know out of the mouth before that hook grabs it can really it really can grab, get cause an issue so and I was going to say, um, and when you talked about bringing it through cover and stuff, I think that's one of the biggest appeals for the Texas rig for new anglers is because I know when I first got his, got started, you know, I was, you know, I, A, I snagged a ton and B, I was afraid of snagging a ton. So yep. um, I wouldn't throw where I thought I would get snagged. And, you know, that was another one of the biggest things, uh, learning experiences for me is learning that where you get snagged is where the fish are. You know, yeah, I, I I told my son when I was teaching him, dude, if you're not getting hung up and, and we call him, his nickname is Lil Snag. <laughs> and I tell him, I say, if you're not getting snagged, you are, you're not fishing the right spots. And, 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 you know, I get the, there's a video we filmed back when he was little, about four, three or four years ago, where he got snagged and I finished my video. I literally finished my, my thought on the video and it took another three or four minutes and he's sitting in the back of the boat, just trying to get it undone. And I look back at him. I'm like, you're just going to have to deal with it while I finish this. And I get the big, I get the most grief from my fans for, for not stopping and going back and getting him undone. Uh, yeah, no, but it's, it's so true. And, and that's where I think another place where the Texas rig shines is that it does come through that kind of stuff relatively yep. uh, snagless and, and, so that's why another reason why it's great for beginning anglers, because uh, it's not you, you take that frustration away for the most part. It still happens, you know, occasionally, but um, not as much as an open hook or other kind of baits would be. So, yes. Yep. Yep. And like like I said, it 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 is a, a building block. It's your first building block towards a lot of other techniques, a lot of other baits. It's the one of the original rigs anyway, but you know, shaky heads and jig heads and all kinds of other stuff. All you can you can take what you learn from a Texas rig and use that to build on the other baits that you're going to learn further down the road. Definitely, definitely. So so we've talked about uh when to peg, not to peg. Um, how about weightless? Like I know uh is there a, any time where you do throw weightless? Um, well, when I'm throwing a floating worm, okay, you know, and, and, uh, and I just did a video this spring about the floating worm, but you know, a post spawn, it's a good post spawn technique. It's a good technique on blueback herring lakes that are super clear, um, and other lakes too. I mean, it's just a bright worm you throw on the end of a hook and, or throw on a hook and, and start, start jerking it around. You know, and a lot of people throw those on spinner rods. I still don't. I throw that on a medium, you know, medium bait caster and just put a swivel way about 18 inches ahead of it. That's heavy enough to just give me some extra weight to cast. Yep. But um, uh, a Cinco and that kind of stuff. There's a tons of different ways to do it or reasons to do it. I typically am going to throw a little bit of weight on it just because I want to be able to get that bait to the bottom or get it into something and just have more control over my cast. 
no, I, Texas rig. I definitely like the feeling of feeling a little bit of something at the end of the line versus weightless. Um, yep. Uh, and weightless is no longer a Texas rig in my, my mind. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. It kind of gets you away from that. But uh, yep. I, uh, there was a rig where with a fluke with a swivel 18 inches up in front of it. I, I think they're calling it a Zulu rig. Have you heard that term? Oh, they call it a, yeah, but it's, and then yeah, a fluke rig. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, you know, if you doubled up, it's the donkey rig, you know, all that. Yeah. Rig. And that's the double fluke rig. I don't care. That, <laughs> see, I, I'm, I, I'm from the, where the, the uh, double fluke rig originated and, and somebody decided that they were going to call it a donkey rig just so they could name something, something. And it drove me nuts. I think, guess I've been in the industry too long to understand. And I'm just like, no, that is a double fluke rig. It was, <laughs> The, the guys in the Carolinas came up with that, and he deserved to keep it the double flu creek. <laughs> well, there you go. We'll, we'll make sure we keep calling it the double flu creek. Uh, shout me. out to the OG uh, people. Yeah, dude. it was on Blueback Herring Lakes along the Savannah River, is where all that was originated. So, but I and then but speaking of like the the fluke rig with the, the the swivel just a little bit 18 inches out in front it it, it adds just enough weight that it you're right it gives you a little bit more control and helps it yeah. sink just a little bit more so yeah. I, and that's I, how I, i've always fished a fluke always and i I, yeah. I think you know that uh answers it well about even just putting even like a 16th or an eighth uh, ounce weight in front of your texas rig just to you know give you that little bit more feeling that you have and uh a little more control when you're casting maybe so yeah gamagatsu has uh they don't sell tungsten weights in the states only in europe and they it's all for like cart fishermen and it's like these they measure them in grams and they're tiny 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 tungsten weights and i'm trying to get those so bad just because it literally is less than a sixteenth of an ounce Interesting. And it, like down to trout weight sizes. Of that yeah. Time. It would be so awesome just to be able to put that in front of like a fluke or something that you didn't want it to affect anything and that kind of stuff, but they don't sell them. St I'd have to find somebody in Europe to buy them for me and ship them to me. That's the only way I could get them. <laughs> uh, nice. All right. So, so we've talked kind of about the how, um, the what, the when is there a time of year when you think it it works better, or that's just pretty much an all around. All now, around. Um, now yeah, Tennessee is a little different than PA. Like PA winters, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know that it ever gets. Uh, what's the coldest it gets down down in Georgia and well, fish generally? water wise, uh, every about once every ten years you'll get a little ice on the water, <laughs> and that's about it. I, I have our problem is is when we get water temperatures in the 30s we have shad kills mm -hmm. and then you're not catching anything because those bass are just laying on the bottom with their mouth open just wait <laughs> just letting the shad fall in you're not you're not going to compete with that and so uh but that happens about once every three or four years other than that the lowest we'll get is high 40s okay you know and so with that i'm not throwing a i'm not throwing a texas rig i'm throwing a jig dragging the jig real small real slow and uh and a jerk bait you know, pretty much that's all I throw. Right. So. Right. So, but barring that there, I mean, I would think it would work well in the spring, summer, fall, yep. you know, yep. from, so. from pre-spawn or from you guys for ice out, I would literally start throwing at ice out because those bass are a lot more aggressive at ice out than I thought they would ever be. 
But when it, I went, uh, all the guys that I talked to that are really good anglers and that are, you know, fish the ice out every year, they're like, they are on fire when, when the water melts, you know? And so I would throw it from then until, well, until it froze again, really for you guys. I mean, if you, if you're fishing, you know, frozen water. Right. No. And it, and that was one thing that took me a little bit to learn too, is because I had always learned, oh, hard baits, hard baits up until, you know, the water gets, starts to warm up a little bit and then you can start throwing your soft plastics. But it, um, I really, my comfort level wasn't there with hard baits, you know, at that point. So mm -hmm. I kind of, kind of bucked that trend and was throwing it earlier and I was getting bites and I was like, Hey, you know, I don't care what you say, you know, if it's working yep. for me, I'm going to keep doing it. So, yeah. One, one of the things I always, I had that I always give me the best success is if I threw it out in cold water, let it sink to the bottom, counted to three to five seconds and then just shook it once because those bass are still moving fairly slow and a lot of times you'll throw something out and it'll sink past the bass and it takes them a couple of seconds to get down to where that bait is and they're staring at it and all of a sudden it just shakes in front of them and they just go whoop and they suck it in and so you're again you're matching their mood and you're you know understanding water temperatures and how the bass you know how lethargic or how slow they are you can definitely get more bites just by understanding that so and that was another interesting thing I, I learned um, more from my I had a, a best friend who used to have a koi pond and it was so funny in the wintertime before when it wasn't frozen those when the but the water was super cold you could reach in and kind of just pick out the koi because they would not move they yep. they try to get away but they move so like they're in slow motion and I, I always picture that when I'm bass fishing in super cold water is you know you know if you're moving something real quick the bass isn't going to catch up to it because it just doesn't have the reaction time to, for the most part, it, it can still, if it's right there, it can grab it, but it's not going to, you know, go nuts and totally, you know, fly no, after uh, it. Nope. So that was uh, definitely a learning experience. And for the longest time, I didn't really have the gear to fish cold water, but I, I just, you know, finally this past season, I got my, uh, uh, my uh, dry suit. And so this winter I spent a lot of time, you know, it definitely wasn't as uh, productive as other times of the year for me, but it was definitely a good learning experience. And, uh, you know, it was nice just to be out on the water completely by myself because there wasn't a lot of other uh, crazy people out fishing kayaks yep. in the, on the lakes where I was fishing, but uh, still <laughs> fun. So, so, um, so, okay. So that's the when, how about, uh, we talked a little bit about where, but is there any, I know, you, you, we talked about throwing it through grass, um, shallow and deep, or, or are you mostly shallow? I'm doing both. Uh, the, the, it's easier to say where I wouldn't throw it. Okay. So if you're throwing it and you're, you're if you're getting down to the bottom and that bottom feels soft and mucky and just, you know, it feels like you're pulling it through pudding, you know, <laughs> it's just kind of, uh, you don't feel any, any hard resistance don't throw it there. Don't fish that. That's and a lot of ponds have that. A lot of I was just small say, ponds. That sounds like ponds. Yep. And and that's and the thing is, is what happens is there's so much silt on the bottom, so much sediment or dead debris that the bait goes down into that and the bass never get to it anyway. And they don't want to get a whole mouthful of that stuff when they're biting your bait. So try to avoid those areas. Now, one of the things, especially up north, I'd go, I, I'm I'm fiending to go to Minnesota right now because this is my favorite time of the year to fish Minnesota. But I like to punch 
matted grass, matted vegetation in Minnesota this time of the year. But when you get down to the bottom, it's got all that soft, mucky, dead debris that's down underneath there. So the trick is to drop it through and then bring it back up to the base of that canopy or the base of that mat and shake it because the bass aren't down there. They're feeding up here. And so those are, that's some of the other things. But the biggest thing is, is don't fish, don't fish the bottom on soft bottom. Fish the bottom on hard bottom. And you'll right. know that the way you, the way you figure that out is take your Texas rig, go out to your driveway, go to the street, go somewhere, throw it, cast it out and close your eyes and drag it along that concrete and feel how that feels. Well, it's just a, you know, tap, 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 tap. It's just, you can feel it. And that's the kind of feeling that you want to feel under the water is that hard bottom. You don't want to feel the pudding. You definitely right. don't. Right. And that, that's, you know, when you, when you're getting that feedback and that really helps you, like you said, count the rocks and, and that kind of thing. Uh -huh. Now, like um, the Susquehanna where I fish, you know, it, it, it is chunky rock. So it, you know, there, you know, you'll feel it and you'll, it'll feel like it almost is starting to get hung up and you yep. see a little pop pop and you're up over that rock and down kind of working to the next one. And, yep. uh, I'm sorry. I thought I brought a water down, but I didn't. <laughs> uh, if you need to go grab one, you can in. No, I'm good. I'm good. We've got plenty we're, of time. Yeah. We're getting, we're getting up close to an hour, but yeah, we still got a little bit of time. If you're, if you're yeah, ready, we're good. So trying to think of anything else um so we did the who what when where uh let's see uh anything else like um what what am i missing here um we can talk a little bit more about how you know okay. the the biggest the biggest thing to understand about a texas rig is that well let's talk about the fall you make a cast out you're not casting it into something when you when it falls if you don't let it fall on a super slack line it's really going to bow and come towards you. Okay. If you let it fall on a slack line, it's still going to bow a little bit, but it's going to fall more straight down um, into stuff. When you throw over a, a limb or something like that, it's the coolest thing. But you, a lot of times I think I, if I don't know there's something there and I throw over a submerged tree or something and it starts to fall, your line all of a sudden starts going out pretty quick because that bait's falling down over that limb. And for some reason it pulls your line a little faster than normal. And you're like, Whoa, wait a minute to get a bite. But once you know, there's a limb there, just let it fall, let it fall on that slack line. Um, when you're fishing a Texas rig uh, without the peg and you throw it out, that weight is going to fall down and that worm is going to be separated from your weight every time. And so when that weight hits the bottom and that worm is still, you know, four to six, maybe eight inches away from that weight, your first little bit of pull is not going to have a whole lot of resistance. But the other key thing is that when, if, if, and this is one of those advanced techniques that once you get to really experience with a Texas rig, it will become second nature. But if you ever get bit right when it hits the bottom, don't set the hook over your head. Don't set the hook over your shoulder. Set the hook low. Change your hook set to a low sweeping hook set because if you don't, that weight being separated from your worm will cause that hook to go down and out of the fish's mouth. Hmm. And you'll lose a lot of your initial fish when they're biting that. 
Um, and so that's the biggest thing, but that's one of those things that you, it becomes second nature once you've spent several years fishing it and you're like, Oh crud. And you just drop and you sweep. But major majority of the time, the hook set needs to be over your shoulder or straight over your, your ear, whatever your dominant ear is, whatever hand you're holding your rod in. And, and a lot of people will tell you to, um, to drop down to a slack line and then pop it. I don't like to do that when I'm fishing three eighths, half ounce, three quarter ounce weights, because it still does blow that fish's mouth open and it will pull that hook out of that fish's mouth before the tip has a chance to penetrate. And so what I do is I'll drop down, but then I'll pull up until I start to feel that fish and then pull the rest of the way. Then I start to hook hard. It's uh, and it's kind of a, halfway between what they call a reel set, which is where you reel until you your rod starts to bend and then you set the hook. It's halfway between that and a dropping set. So, and with a and kayak, <laughs> drop that sucker as far as you can drop it and then set the hook like you're about to fall out of your boat, you know, that <laughs> kind of stuff. Because when you set the hook in a kayak, your kayak goes towards those fish and you lose power in your hook set. That's right. the biggest thing is he slides in and it'll, you lose power. So that, that definitely took me a lot to learn uh, too. going from bank fishing to fishing on the kayak is how much you actually lose in your hook sets like that. And uh, yeah, uh, I know uh, we've talked a little bit before, especially like we talked to Cody, Cody uh, from Jigmasters uh, about light wire hooks versus, you know, the heavier hooks and yep. how, how on a, if, especially if you're using a heavy hook, you need to have a, a hook set, whereas a lighter hook, you have to kind of, you know, be a little careful that you don't bend it out, but also it doesn't take quite as much, uh, you know, hook set to penetrate. But. Yeah. I steer clear of heavy hooks when I'm in a kayak. Um, and the biggest reason is because of that, because it is, takes so much more force. It, just do this once. That's why I tell everybody, just do this once. Take, take the hook that you're fishing with. When you catch a bass and you try to put that hook back into that bass, and see how hard it is to get that hook to penetrate into that bass. It's like leather. A lot of places in that in the inside of its mouth, you'll never get a hook set in if you don't really try to rip their lips off on the hook set. And so, and and the biggest reason I, I recommend these G finesse hooks from Gamagatsu, and I've been re recommending them. For years, I just barely signed a contract with Gamagatsu about two months ago, a month and a half ago. But for years, I've been recommending them because they're thinner wire, yet they don't flex out as much as like your standard hooks. And so the way they coat them, the way they make them, they're a lot harder, stiffer steel. And so they're thinner wire, yet you still have the power of a flipping hook, you know, and that kind of stuff. And so right. it, it, it kind of helps you, especially in a kayak world. So and I think that that's definitely a fine line to walk there between, you know, you know, having a thin but strong hook versus. Oh, yeah, because you can bend them out so easy. Right. You know, and uh, and so and I've done it a lot, especially with braided line. Guys, you're going to bend out hooks. You know, I've had some I've had some fish absolutely break my heart. <laughs> you know, you know what a, 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 hack, a, a hack attack hook is the Greg Hackney flipping hooks. I had a bass in, in, in the other side of Georgia several years ago, bend one of those out on me. Oh my goodness. And those things are the thickest steel hooks I've ever used. <laughs> I've 
I flipped into a bush. She bit. It was pre. It was spawned, so they were spawning. She bit. I set the hook and pulled her up to the top. She was the biggest bass I've ever seen on Clark's Hill Lake. And she just like looked at me and then went and rolled right over. And that, somewhere in my phone is a picture of that torqued out hook. Oh my goodness. Did. I'm like, how in the world? And, and they'll, they'll do it. You'll lose them and it is what it is. But what can we do as anglers to minimize that possibility is what we, what we, we dream about every day or have nightmares. <laughs> I've never had a huge bass bend out of hook on me, but I've had a few Susquehanna catfish do it. Oh, I bet. A stripers will do it too. Goodness yeah, gracious. Yeah. They're bad. <laughs> I've had Susquehanna catfish absolutely murder like rooster tails and stuff. I'm like, this thing ain't ever going to spin right again, man. <laughs> I'm just trying to catch bass and this, you know, friggin' 24 inch catfish eats my rooster tail. I'm like, what yep. are you doing? Oh, that's but, funny. Yeah, they'll break your heart. So, cool, man. Um, well, man, we have covered a ton of stuff there uh i think that was awesome i i definitely think you know kind of the the noobs that are listening are definitely learned a lot but i i feel like there was something in there for everyone you know because uh there is so much it's such a, a versatile bait in so many different ways to fish it and um i think that, you know a lot of people could take stuff away from this episode so um i thank you so much for all of that info um wanted to give you a chance to uh, shout out sponsors and um, plug your social media? Well, there's a couple of things I'm real excited about. You know, ICAST was just last week, and or what is it, 10, 11 days now. But Seaguar uh, uh, has this new line out, um, and it's called Basics. We just talked about that on my last podcast. I was yeah, wondering and, how it is. I'm excited and to try And they've it. asked me to be the spokesman for Basics. Awesome. And Seaguar... This stuff is, and I, and I, what they do when they send me line, uh, is that I, I get it in a, in a, in just a regular clear spool with a white sticker on the side with a number on it. And it's a code number. Okay. I don't know what it is. I don't know anything. They just send it to me in usually two spools. I like, uh, they usually send them in 15 and 20 and sometimes eight, if it's going to be a finesse style, because those are the three pound tests that I use the most. I take them out. I put them on a spool. I go fishing with them for three, four, five, six days. In a week, they send me a a, a survey on, on, on. They email me a survey, and I go into the survey site and I answer all these questions, usually fifty to sixty-five questions. And uh, and then the next thing you know, a new line comes out, and I'm like, oh wait a minute, that was the line I was. You know, they, they really do keep us in the dark about it, which I love. That's a good that, way to do that it. That way yeah. they get us get our honest opinions. Right. This line, this this uh, um, basics, is nine dollars and ninety nine cents a spool for I think two hundred and fifty yards. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's like two hundred fifty yards. Nine dollars and ninety nine cents for hundred percent fluorocarbon. Is it as good as high end fluorocarbon? No, it's not as good as twenty five to thirty five dollars spool fluorocarbon. Is it is it better than monofilament? A hundred times better than monofilament. So if you're one of those people who are are want to try fluorocarbon, want to use fluorocarbon, but can't afford the twenty-five dollar spool, or you you just it, it just you can't pull out that change. I know my my dad was one of those that would pinch a penny so tight it would scream. <laughs> this nine dollar ninety-nine cent spool is good, and it's really good fluorocarbon. It's strong. It's abrasion resistant. 
It's a little stiffer than I'm used to, but I throw their Tatsu, which is like, I buy the bulk spools for a thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> it's, you just, it's one of those things where it's like, you get the, you get the best of the fluorocarbon world at $9.99. And then their new braid, and I, I, I don't want to butcher the name because I can't quite remember it, but the, the new braid is a four strand braid. So it's a little noisy going through your guides, but it also means it cuts through grass a whole lot better than the smooth braid. And uh, it's like $16 or $17 a spool. And uh, for 200 yards, I believe. Don't quote me. I got I haven't seen the numbers yet. Uh, I forgot to look at the catalog while I was at ICAST. That's <laughs> typically where I get all my information from. But I'm excited about it. It's, it's just, it's going to force other countries, to our co countries, other companies to step up. Right. And and because there's a lot of new anglers in this that have moved into this industry or started fishing and they really it, it, we're trying to we're trying to, to cater to them. You know, 13 Fishing's got a bunch of new reels out that are 60, 65 and 70 dollar bait casters. And that 70 dollar bait caster, if you ask me all day long, it's one hundred twenty five hundred thirty dollar bait caster. And I and the way you tell that now, this is not that real, but. The way you tell that is when somebody is coming up with a, a, a new bait caster and they want to keep the price low, the first thing that goes is a metal cast control knob. They usually change that to plastic. 13s is still aluminum. And a lot of the other parts are still, I mean, the, the, the line guide in the middle, they usually go to a round, cheap line guide. You get this same exact, this is a $240 reel. You get the same exact line guide on that 60 or that $70 reel or even the $60 reel. And so they didn't skimp and they didn't pull off parts and add plastic. They really did a good job with those reels. The spinner reels are really good too, but I was so impressed with those bait casters. So those are the two major things. Spro's got some new frogs, got this, I've got it up next to my bed. I wasn't, I'm not supposed to have it, but they let me steal it. It's a tiny little popping frog about this long. Cool. And you throw it on a spinning rod. It, it's like it's going to be my pond crusher. It's literally going to wear them out on the ponds. And so it's a teeny tiny little little frog. Um, a lot of new stuff out at ICAST, but it was just really really cool to, to try that out. Bonafide's new pedal drive. Um, I'm not a pedal guy. I've got a bad hip, but sometimes pedal drives are good for me, and sometimes they aren't. So I'm going to try it out. Give my honest opinion on it. And if you guys don't see me pedaling it all the time, it's because it hurts my hip uh, and it's not the, it's not the drive. Also, <laughs> I don't like pedal drives because I like my fish finder right in front of me. I don't like it off to the side. So I'm probably going to stick with my, uh, my one that's got the motor guide trolling motor on the front and, and, uh, and use the pedal drive for like Hobie events. If I decide to fish the Hobies or something like that. So. Who knows? Other than that, man, it's just, you know, I got a ton of sponsors and I know if I try to list them all off, it, 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 I'll forget somebody. Break somebody. Those, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> the, the new really cool stuff coming out. Um, I try not to try not to give away a whole lot of, uh, of secrets that are coming out, but there's some cool things, cool baits coming out from 13 fish and down the road. Uh, they got the new deep jabber jaw that dives eight to 10 feet deep now or, or no, not that deep. Dives uh, deep. It'll dive is eight feet. So 
but I'm still that, playing with the original Jabberjaw. I, I keep, I'm, I keep thinking, you know, one of these days I'm going to lose it, but it, it's still hanging on tough there. And I, uh, <laughs> I just praying for the day or, you know, you know, worried about the day that it doesn't come back up or I get it snagged and can't get it back. But, uh, it's so amazing so what that thing will come through though. It really yeah. is. I, it, I a hundred percent agree. I've been throwing it in the kind of crappiest places and it, um, knowing that one of these days it's not going to come back, but you so get far you, so good. Yeah. <laughs> get you a lure retriever and you'll always have it. That's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. And, and definitely, I mean, social media for sure. I, everybody should know about uh fluke master on YouTube because yeah, like you said, the amount of content out there is just <laughs> incredible. So, I mean, 700 shows and you know, phew, I, I can't even imagine I'll never watch it in my lifetime, but, there's so much good content out there. And I, like I said, it totally, you know, helped me learn to do a lot of the things that I use now every day. So yep. mission accomplished there. Um, but uh, any other uh, social media you want to shout out? I, um, I'm Fluke Master across to everything. Uh, I usually can, fi- usually can find me real easy through that. Um, you know, the, the new YouTube shorts have been a whole lot of fun. I'm working on one right now, is, which is and I, the only thing I can tell you is that when we finish filming it, it will be the, you know, it's a type of fishing you probably have never seen. And I'm fishing. Uh, it's just the craziest, coolest little video. And it's going to be more of a hype video just to make it cool. But uh, I'm not going to go any further than that. But this, when, it's, when it comes out, it's only going to, we'll probably have two versions. One that will work for the YouTube shorts that's less than a minute. And then uh, probably a little bit longer one that's three or four minutes that talks more gets more in depth to what type of fishing it is and the equipment and that kind of stuff. But it's going to be funny. It, it, it's mainly for just views. That's the only, I don't do that, but maybe once in a, every three or four years where I do a video where it's strictly trying to, to attract more people to the channel. And this is one of those, but it's a type of fishing you have never seen. And it's so cool. Cool. So. Cool. Well, I wanted to tell you too, give you props too, because just your, the editing and, and everything that you're doing, you can tell, if you go back and watch the early ones, you know, you can tell how far you've come. And I mean, that's true about anyone, but uh, just the fact that you keep and, you know, pushing the envelope up in your game and, you know, just, you know, keep trying new things, you know, you can definitely tell. I'm an and, experimenter uh, I, I, and I've screwed up so many times and I've done so many things on YouTube that have pissed off a lot of my fans. <laughs> um, but I, I don't mind experimenting and seeing what what happens. You know, it's one of those things. My, I don't even edit my own videos right now. My, my seven, my seventeen-year-old son does. I know. I, I heard you say that, and I was just gonna say, you. I mean, definitely give him some credit too, because I think yep. he's doing a great job. As well. and it's, they're gonna get worse here shortly because I've got to go back to editing them. <laughs> uh, yeah, I told him. I, he's in a senior, get starting a senior year of high school. I was like, dude, when you're out of high school, you're not gonna be around. I can't just not edit right now. <laughs> I'll lose every every bit of skill and it'll take me forever to get to get back up. And so um, but yeah, so that's the, the, I'm going to be going back and editing about 50 percent of the videos. But uh, I'm also helping him um, start a new company, which is a content creation company where okay. he just he does commercial content where, you know, he just does it for fun. He loves doing that stuff and he's really good at it. So you'll see a lot of his stuff already out that uh, on like other companies, uh, uh, social media, and you won't even know that he done, he's done them and he's been doing it since he was 16. So. Wow. Um, another thing I was going to tell to, uh, uh, the folks listening, um, check you out on Friday nights cause you do Friday night live yep. and 
those are a great opportunity to ask you questions and stuff. Um, if you need, you know, want to ask Gene a question and, you know, go straight to the source, just uh, check him out on Friday nights. Uh, he does a live yep. show. And nine, nine Eastern. It's from nine to 10 Eastern. Um, I might start it. I'm going to start having more guests that are really, really super knowledgeable. Um, that way I can have it for two hours. So nine to 11, but, uh, because my voice is only good for about an hour and I'm done. <laughs> and so if I have some help, I usually can make it last longer, but, uh, and we also have some really cool announcements this week. And you remember when I used to do them from Westbrook supply company, the paddle shop, yep. we're going to start that again this month. And cool. so. I, I think it's probably going to be on the either the 20th or the 27th. We'll start having them from Westbrook Supply, which was always a big party because all the, the Westbrook team was all there and we just yep. had fun. Yep. So I, I do remember that well. So cool, man. Well, um, thanks again for coming on. Uh, yeah. It's been awesome. Definitely. If you're up for it, we'll have you back and talk some other techniques because uh, I know you know a ton of them. But uh, <laughs> I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come and chat with us tonight. Um for all the listeners out there, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment on the Paddle and Fin Podcast, where we bring you the techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Good night, everyone, and thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle and Fin. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Fin. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Fin on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button and App just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com 